Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan, welcome to the podcast. Welcome indeed. Have I caught you with a mouthful of tea this week or uh, are we safe this week? We are safe, we are safe from... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got tea with me as always. Um, always good to have a cup of tea at one side, um, but I am not mid-drink this week. Well, that's fantastic news. And how are you? I'm okay. I'm very busy at the moment. Um, it's a it's a busy week as it is, but yeah, I'm uh, all over the place this week, and hopefully it will settle down a bit next week. How are you? I'm fantastic. I've got a week off work, uh, which is nice, but I'm also ill, um, so that was timed really well. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my immune system. Um, <laughs> for mugging me off royally um but yeah other than that i'm quite well um i've set set up my office a little bit differently so i've got a new setup which is works quite well but yeah just uh just trucking on do you have anything exciting planned for your week off no i was going to use this week to uh sort my life out a little bit and get back in the gym start eating a little bit better but i woke up feeling absolute trash every day so i'm like the last thing that I want to do is go to the gym and sneeze on everything. I haven't got... Well, I don't think it's COVID. Um, done a few well, tests. It's, it's probably that age-old thing where, you, um, where you've where you been working solidly for a long time and the moment you stop, your body just collapses because it... Yeah, it, it was the same um, through uni, through college, through drama school, through whenever we did a project, um, like a play or a show or whatever, that you'd be absolutely tanking it through the rehearsal process, show week would come and you'd give it your, you know, 200%. And then the week after show week, I'd find I'd always get ill. I don't know if it was the same for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Always. I mean, whenever I, if I go away as well, um, usually, obviously, it's a, it's a break from work or something. And uh, yeah, I just get sick. So. I, was, I was reading. Um, fantastic. I was reading about it the other day and apparently... It's uh, it's something to do that with you, when you're really busy or when you're really stressed with work, like your body kind of fills you with adrenaline, kind of to get you yeah. through it. And then as soon as your body knows that it's starting to shut down and things are calming down a little bit, your immune system drops and you get ill. Apparently, um, yeah. So there you go. That's right. It's a bit of a bit of science for you yeah. on the long and short of it <laughs> podcast, which I'm sure no one expected today, but I'm yeah. sure you're very grateful anyway. But on to more pressing matters at hand, we have a video game to talk about today, which might come as a surprise to some people. Um, you know, this is a video game podcast, so we're talking about video games, and uh, that is the topic for today's discussion. So, this week we are talking about a PC game from 1996. We're talking about Civilization 2, uh, which was released by... Have we got the right Civilization? Yes, we've got the correct civilization. There is Civilization 4 on the list, which we'll get to at some point, but today it's Civ 2. Uh, it was released by MPS Labs in 96, as I said, and it comes in at number 61 on our list with a score of 94. So, 
first things first, what's your uh, what's your experience with this game slash this series? Absolutely nothing, I don't think. Um, can't recall ever having played a Civilization game and don't think I've encountered them anywhere. Um, I mean, I've, I've been sort of aware of them. I've known that they were strategy games. Um, I didn't really know the fundamentals of, of the Civilization games either, so I never quite knew what the end goal was and I arguably still don't um, but yeah it's, it's it's always been very much on the periphery not not really um, involved or engaged in I'm not big on strategy games to be quite honest so it's been an interesting one for me um, how about you do you have any history also either zero I I think I might have mentioned in our uh, I think it was Starcraft, Starcraft Two that we played, wasn't it? That yeah. I, I did grow up playing uh, both real-time strategy and turn-based strategy games um, quite a bit, and I used to really enjoy them. Um, the highlight for me was um, Star Wars Galactic Battleground Saga, which I sank so many hours into. But this game has echoes of things like Age of Empires, um, Sim City. And all games that I quite like and all games that I quite enjoy, but for whatever reason, Civilization was never one that I, I, I tried or I played. Now, I do know that Civ 2 also came out on the PlayStation, but I don't think yeah, it was a that, particularly that great port. Well, I was doing... Because it's funny that you say that, um, just to go slightly off topic. Well, it's not really off topic, off topic but... Um, so, yeah, when I, when I was looking at the platforms... Because what we usually do when we're, we're when we're picking a game is we see where we can play it, and I try to play it in the best place possible usually. Um, so it's kind of waiting the ports and seeing which one it, it comes out on top. Um, I was surprised to see that there's a PlayStation version, and um, I did do a, a I did have a look on eBay, um, but I thought actually by the time it arrives. I'm probably just better off playing the free online version, but I was intrigued by it. There's there's no reviews or anything for it. Um, I did, I, d I don't know if it was a video or something that I read, but someone said it was actually okay, um, but obviously trying to fit what's quite an expensive game onto a PlayStation with that controller, I mean, there's going to be some headaches along the way. Yeah, well, I mean, um, this, this is primarily a PC game and uh, the version that is on the Metacritic top 100 list is the pc version but you you've got other games like rts games and turn-based strategy games that came out for the playstation that you know did pretty well the, the, the big one that comes to my mind is command and conquer red alert um the command and conquer games did particularly well on the playstation from memory i might be misremembering but i, I think that they were always held in quite good stead um so yeah, I, I watched a few videos on this game um, as well. And I think the, the consensus is that it was it was an okay port, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as the PC right. port, which isn't surprising because you, you think back to... Um, I know a game series that you never really played too much of, being The Sims. You look at The Sims on the PC or The Sims 2 on the, PS, uh, on the PC, and they were... You know, massively 
in-depth games, whereas the one came out on the PS2 uh, that was just titled The Sims, which, to be fair, I rented for about four or five weeks solid from Blockbuster, and I played a lot of, but it was nowhere near as good as the PC version. So there are certain types of games, I think, that are more... Well, they're better suited to PC, and I think games like this definitely fall within that camp. Yeah, there was a, there was a time when... Um... There was a fear amongst PC players that games coming to console would reduce reduce the scope mm. and um, the, the graphical fidelity and stuff like that of of games. And there was a valid argument to that, I think, which was Crisis to Crisis 2. Um, Crisis 2 was a lot smaller in scope and paired back compared to Crisis 1 in terms of physics, in terms of um, lots of different things. And I think we're now at a point where console can keep up with pc so we don't have that as much and we kind of get um pc and console versions of many games um but yeah it wasn't always the case so i think this is definitely i mean i I was very surprised when i saw the playstation version there and i love quirky little ports and i would have liked to have got my hands on it but it wasn't to be yeah the the, speaking of the, the, the platforms um, you mentioned a moment ago that there's a free browser version of this game that you, you can play it on which is probably the easiest version to play now I'm guessing you did this on your, your work or your, your personal laptop yeah yeah so my personal laptop I I had a bit of a headache trying to get this game to run and I, I don't know anyone that's a long time listener of this podcast knows that me and you aren't really we're not PC gamers. No. Um, and I think one of the big turnoffs for me for PC gaming is the amount that you have to mess about with system settings, etc. sometimes. Not always. Yeah. But there is a lot of in-depth stuff that goes into PC gaming, whereas if you just play it on a console, it's like, pop the game in, off you go. And yeah. I, about three weeks ago, I, I picked up a new MacBook uh, Pro just for the... The, the, the activity of recording this podcast because my old MacBook Air was eight years old and it was on its last legs. And I thought, okay, I'll uh, I'll try out the browser version of Civ 2 on this uh, on this MacBook Pro. And it just did not have it, didn't like it. Um, and I tried it on different browsers, um, but just was not having it. So in the end, I had to fish out the laptop that I currently still got that I'm borrowing from um, my friend Dan who lent it me when we originally played Half-Life. And I managed to get it running on, on there because that's a Windows machine. But, it, I mean, it, it, it's to be expected, I suppose, because this is an old game and a lot of old games now... And was it originally released on Mac? I don't think it was. Yeah, it was on Mac. So that might have been... Oh, was it was? Okay, because yeah. that might have explained it. But if it, if it was, then I'd... Yeah, I don't have an answer for no, you. No, I mean, from the look of it, this is the kind of game that you'd expect to be able to run on like a decent calculator now or something. You know what I mean? It's um, <laughs> it, it's yeah. a very not basic game, but the primitive the, the the data to run it. I think it probably is is very minute compared to you know what modern day machines can do. But now this is um this is a very different way for us playing games obviously we usually play on console occasionally we'll play on pc via steam but this i mean i believe that the version that we played you actually stream the game um in some sense yeah and 
Uh, what was that functionally like for you? It was okay. I, I wasn't expecting it to be super fast when I did eventually manage to get it going. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to be super fast because I don't really, I don't really rate stream or cloud-based gaming anyway. But it's kind of the same as what I'd imagine or what I remember old like Newgrounds games to run as, like when you play them through a browser. You know that like flash yeah. games and stuff like that. It, it runs okay, but a bit stuttery. Yeah, yeah. yeah was it the same for and, you? And then there's also a curious bit when you first boot up the game, where it says about um, if you've got the CD version of the game, you can use the CD version, and it will give you access to the full soundtrack and stuff like that. And obviously, we didn't have that, so I was playing an an audio deprived version um, of the game. But yeah, no, it, it you can you can full screen it and uh, it it works. It's functional. It's just a, a we've never played a game like this before, and it was it was curious. It's interesting because I think the oldest game that we've played on this list is a link to the past, isn't it? Zelda. Yes. Which came out in. Oh, the... although we've played um, Zelda one and two as well. Oh, you? of they course. Were... And those games were like mid mid eighties, and and Link yeah. to the Past was obviously nineteen ninety. But this game. Civilization 2 felt older than all of those games, maybe with the exception of um, the first Zelda. Yeah. It it feels very, very prehistoric. And, I mean, 1996, you had some really big games coming out at that time, particularly on the PlayStation and the N64. But this is this is a different type of game. So we, we've kind of danced around the the aspects of the game itself. So what, what do you do in this game? There isn't really a story, is there? No. So, first of all, I'm just trying to think of the best way to describe it. So, with I don't know if it's with most strategy games, but certainly here what you're doing is you pick your civilization. That's the first step. And you can pick the visual style. You can pick... Um, which civil, ancient civilization you want to choose from. You can pick male or female characters. Um, you can pick your difficulty and the size of the map and things like that. So there's a lot of um, variables here that would really feed into kind of the game that you want to play. And then you start off... Uh, is it... I'm not sure. I think you can change this as well, to be honest. So I'm not even, not even going to say the date, the year that you start off on... Um, but basically you want to grow your civilization and make it the number one civilization out of all the other civilizations on the map at that time, which again, you can change. So there could be three, there could be six, um, and so on. Uh, yeah. So you, you want to advance your civilization to the point where it's number one. And that could mean in terms of finance, it could mean in terms of reading and writing in terms of, um, war in terms of pottery and uh, building these great structures. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of along those lines. And obviously the game ends if, if your civilization is wiped out. Um, but I was, uh, I was watching a video about civilization. I don't know if you watched the same one about this infinite game of civilization two that kind of went on and on and on. Um, so that was quite interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a quite unique in terms of our list. Nothing quite like it. And just out of interest, which was the uh, which was the the civilization that you went with when you were playing it? Well, I, I played uh, I played two, um, one one that I didn't finish, and that was with the Mongols, 
and the second one where I was wiped out, which is great. Um, and I played as the Persians. So okay. yeah, I how did. About you? Yeah, I also did two runs. I got wiped out on both of them because I wasn't very good at this game. I don't think I had the patience for it. Um, but the first one, I was um, I was Russia. So start started off with uh, with the good old boy Vladimir Lenin, and then. <laughs> For the second run, where I also got wiped out, I I, I did England, um, so started in London. But there are a few different game modes that come with this game. There are like uh, not not simulated uh, things, but like setups. So you could play through uh, World War One, uh, sorry World War Two. Even did you did you mess around with that at all? No, I didn't. No. So I I, I didn't either. Um, I just kind of did the, the the base game, but from watching footage of the World War Two stuff, I mean, it looks pretty much exactly the same as the rest of the game is, except the technology is further along. But the amount of different scenarios that people have made up for these games is quite extensive. You you know, you've got scenarios where people have made dinosaurs um, in something million BC or whatever, all the way up to you know, modern times where you could create scenarios of modern wars, like you could probably do something around Iraq or something if you wanted to. So it is one of those games where the possibilities are as endless as you want them to be, I suppose. But it is hard to go into into the description with this game because it is just an old turn-based strategy game. So like Dan says, you've got... Um, the different areas you can focus on, whether that's building up your military with the different units, whether that is focusing on trade and tax and espionage, or whether that's focusing on getting your people to focus on science or pottery or like uh, bronze mining or iron mining. There is a lot to this game, but I think because of how ancient it kind of feels it acts as a bit of a gatekeeper to exploring all of those things or exploring them to the fullest capacity for the patients that we have as gamers in 2022 i don't know if you agree with that well shall we shall we address it under the guise of games players king yeah sure cue the feature and introduction by yourself yeah so welcome to game players king uh this is the weekly returning feature where we discuss two things. First of all, whether the game is fun, and secondly, what is your favourite thing to do, slash what's your favourite move? So first thing is, is this game fun? Um, I, I, and, and now I'm going to build off the point that you were making, which is, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think this game does not lead you into it very well. There's, there's, there's no tutorial to speak of. There's There's guiding principles and stuff like that, so... Um, they will suggest that you uh, you invest in this skill because that will lead to this, for example. But um, yeah, I <laughs> just just to give you a bit of background of how clueless I was when I first played this game, I didn't know how to move. So <laughs> I had, I had my my soldiers and I was uh, I I just didn't know what I could do with them. And sometimes the options in the menu are greyed out. And I still don't know the prerequisites for some of the options to make them not grayed out. Um, but yeah, I tried to pillage and it wouldn't work. And 
um, I would go for a fortify because fortify always seemed to work. Um, but yeah, I didn't know how to move at first, so that was that was fun. Um, I think this game could be fun, but I think you'd have to really get to know the systems at play and um, really be in it for the long haul. I probably wasn't, and I did get some satisfaction from it. I didn't hate it or anything like that, um, but I don't think I'd go out of my way to play it either, so I would probably land somewhere in the middle, maybe more negative than positive. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Um, my my answer to the question, is this game fun? I would probably just immediately say, no, not really. But that is just off the, the basis that, like I say, I think the age of this game acts as a gatekeeper, which is a shame because, like I said, I used to spend a lot of time playing games like this when I was younger. And funnily enough, and I think I mentioned it to you, maybe a couple of months ago, that a game came out, I think last year, um, called Crusader Kings 3. Do you know anything about that game? I've heard I've heard of it. Yeah, so it's primarily a PC game, but it came out on Game Pass a few weeks ago, and I got it on my Xbox Series X, so I had a bit of a play around with it. And that <clears> game is so in-depth that... I played it for a while and I picked up the very basics, but getting to grips with all of like the really small details that are there that are amazing that they exist is just, it's another level and it's not something that I, I think I've got patience to learn anymore, which is a, a shame because it is such a cool game. And I, I feel that Civilization probably is the same. However, because this is an older version maybe we'll feel differently when we come to Civilization Four. do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm more looking forward to that because I, I think fun, fundamentally I didn't dislike this game. I, th I think there's something to it. It's quite different and I like the idea in principle of having your civilization and developing it in whatever way you want to and having these competing civilizations. I think that's a, an interesting premise. I think in practice... Um, it probably isn't that much fun for me who was a bit overwhelmed by what you could do or couldn't do and really could have done with a bit of a how-to, how to play this game. Even if it was just a short thing to say, um, this is what you want to focus on, this is how you do this, this is the requirement to do this. Um, yeah, I found myself hitting brick walls and I, and I kind of wonder, going back to 1996 where the internet wasn't available, where guides and things weren't as readily available how did people do it back then um i don't know the answer to that i think people have more patience and we've said that a few times throughout this podcast that it seems as we've got older or as the gaming sphere has has grown that people have a lot less patience now and games are a lot more handholdy and yeah you know i, I remember i mean not quite as far back as this because i was only five when this game came out but I remember games from the late 90s and early noughties that if you didn't just work it out on your own, then you just didn't make progress. So yeah, you had to. And I remember playing in the same levels over and over and over again, trying to figure out what to do, probably for hours and hours and hours, because you just had more patience and you didn't have time requirements or anything like that. So yeah. You just yeah, well, exactly. I mean... A prime example of that is 
Um, the ne- the next game that we're covering on this list is um, is Wind Waker, and I started playing it the other day. And you know when you're on the first um, the first island where you start off, um, yes. Link gets his little tunic and he gets his sword, and then you have to cross over that bridge to get to where uh, Tetra is, and yeah. there's that gap in the bridge. I jumped it fine, but then I just fell down. Uh, I, felt, I, I was fell like, off the side, actually, funnily enough. And I got annoyed as well. Yeah, I, I, I looked at it, I was like, I could just turn this game off right now. Even though it would but take it only took about 20 seconds to get back there, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it takes 30 seconds to get to the, back back there. I was like, oh, I could just turn this off now. I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> like, I didn't, I carried on. I, I got past that bit, but I'm, I've just become such a I had the same feeling, I did the person. same thing. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, uh, I think, I think, I think as well, it's um, about the time constraints that we have. I mean, yeah. you and I both are doing other things and working and uh, doing other things in an evening. And it's we really have to, especially with the big games on this list, we really have to um, strategize how we're going to do them and plan them weeks in advance. Um, so it's just a... It's not just impatience, but it's all those other pressing issues that are always in your mind. Oh, I could be using this time to do this. Um, time has just become more precious as we've gotten older, I think, for us. Yeah, we're not 10 anymore, unfortunately, which would be nice. Actually, no, I don't think I'd want to be 10. Mm, no, I don't think so. Um, so... I don't know if it's a bit of a redundant question, but what, what's your favourite thing to do in this game? Can you can you answer that, or can you answer a version of that question? Um, I think I found this game most fun. Um, I made a peace treaty with the Celts, and I broke the peace treaty, and then they they basically declared war on me. And I had one soldier. I don't know if it was a soldier, a single soldier, or a group of soldiers, but um, I fortified their their uh, location, and it was kind of in the middle of the map between my city and the Celtic city. And they kept winning fights against the Celts, and they leveled up, and they became um, I think it was a veteran. And I think that was quite satisfying watching this uh, single unit um, decimate the Celts when they declared war on me. So that was quite fun. I mean, that's the closest I came to any sort of real satisfaction playing this game. Yeah. I mean, I think for the first time in 60 something episodes, I don't have an answer to that question. Maybe it's because I didn't play enough of it, but I feel that if I had, the answer would still be quite similar to, to me saying no, because of the kind of game. Well, that question. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That question does not lend itself to a game like this. So. No, so I I I don't know, but like I said, I I didn't particularly find this game fun anyway. So I'm I'm interested to see what what we think when we get to Civ Four. Um, you well we've we've um we briefly or very briefly touched on it earlier regarding the sound, but the look and the sound of this game. What what would you have to say about it? What are your comments? Um, how do you describe? I mean, there's. I, I can't really judge the sound properly because I don't have the CD-ROM version and the, I don't know so, if the version that you played was the same. But, but um, yeah, so I couldn't... I did get snippets of sound and towards the beginning there seemed to be um, 
super short tracks. Um, and what I heard, it was quite nice, and there were some nice uh, sound beats when you did certain things. So I think probably the, the sound was pretty strong here. Um, I'm, I'm being generous because obviously I didn't experience it all. Um, visually, I would agree with you. I think something like A Link to the Past looked better than um, Civilization 2. Um, I think it looks a bit washed out, a bit kind of sapped of colour a lot of the time. Yeah, um, it looks like an easel. Yeah, um, it's, it's pixelated, but I wouldn't say it's the kind of pixels that translate well to like a modern display. Um, some some pixel-based games look amazing, but I wouldn't say that this... I don't think there's much you could do to this to make it look amazing. No. With it, this game did did do one of the things that a lot of games in the mid to late 90s did, um, which was they included real-time um, videos or, or videos of actors or of actual things and people rather than just animated things, which I think is quite a cool element to it because although it massively ages whatever game that shows up in, it's also like a little look into games of that time, I think. Yeah. And because they could achieve more with these real time uh, cutscenes than they could ever achieve with the the pixels on screen. Yeah, that correct. Were static. Yeah, and I I I think that's quite a nice little nice little thing to have in there. But the same, into, I, I echo what you say, the sound, I didn't get to experience too much of it. And the look of it, it is very washed out. It is very, like I say, it feels like it looks like it's on an easel. But again, I think that is just the fact that it is a product of its time. And that's the reason why. But that being said, I don't think for 1996, I don't think it probably looked bad, I imagine. For the kind of game it was at that time, it probably looked quite decent, and there's a reason that it will be on this. You know, it, it's here on the list. Um, and again, I'm looking know, forward to things comparing like um, it. Mario 64 came out in '96, and compared to this, I think that game looks lovely. Yeah, of course, it's 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 a different thing entirely, though, isn't it? And. Yeah. Like I said, I look forward to comparing what this looks like to Civ Four. I don't know what what year Civ Four came out. Um, I, I, I think that might be available. I don't know if it's Civ Four or Five, but I think that might be available on the Switch. Um, so that will be where I'm picking it up if it is available there. Civilization Four came out in 2005, so it's going to look very different. Oh, maybe not then. Yeah, maybe not. So the the question of the week, I. I had a few thoughts on this, and then you sent me an idea for a question earlier today. You gave me kind of the bare bones of a theme. Yeah. Where you mentioned... rather than... Yeah. I mean, with Civilization 2, it is just called Civilization 2, but as the games have gone forward, they've adapted the the moniker of like the lead developer on these games, which is Sid Meier's Civilization. And you often see in a lot of games or a lot of game companies, you've got... Um, big name developers you've got um, Miyamoto for Nintendo or you've got Hideo Kojima um, previously for Konami and there are a lot of big name developers who their personality kind of becomes bigger than the the game that they're 
they're making or the, the company that they work for. And you also have some that live in infamy, like Phil Fish, um, from an indie game perspective. But yeah. from what you understand of it and from your experience of video games over the past 30-something years, what do you think it takes for a game developer or a, a game programmer to elevate to that higher level to become bigger than the company they work for? Because arguably you could say Hideo Kojima is more recognisable than Konami. There's probably an argument to say not. Yeah, these days. But I think yeah. he is. So what what do you think it takes for a game dev to, to elevate to that kind of that level? Um, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and, and I think also it's interesting whether it's a positive or negative thing. Um, so I think we as the gaming mass, the gaming public kind of gravitate towards... Um, I think you're more likely to gravitate towards people than a company. Yeah. And you have these people in figurehead positions and they tend to be people who can can talk and are able to um, show their personality and you can latch onto something with them. And, I mean, Miyamoto is a great one. He's so full of personality that you don't have to be Japanese or you can anyone across the world can just gravitate towards this man who obviously loves video games and yeah i think that it's that cult of personality isn't it and i think that's definitely the case with kojima and i mean i don't know it's interesting when it happens like when did it become a hideo kojima game i well, mean I think you can. That there's an example of that within the last few years that you can look to. Um, although then every everyone turned on him very quickly, being Sean Murray from Hello Games. If you remember, yeah, I was going to mention him. Yeah, because you remember the lead up to No Man's Sky. He was everywhere. He was the face of that game, and his problem was that he was a game developer. He wasn't. He wasn't a marketer. He, he wasn't a salesman, so he'd go on to all these interviews and be like, oh, can this game do this? He'd be like, yeah, yeah, it can, yeah. And then the game came out and it couldn't do any of those things. And public opinion of Sean Murray and Hello Games, like he was getting death threats and stuff like that, which we discussed a little bit when we talked about Last of Us Part 2. And there's never an excuse for that. But I think with Sean Murray, what he did following the release of no man's skies he just went quiet like that entire team just went dark for like two years and they were just constantly pushing out updates free updates to the game to make it up to what it was promised to be at release and it finally got there two or three years later which is obviously far too late but it, it was a good redemption arc but now no one talks about sean murray or hello games i don't think and i think it's funny it, it acts as a him. It acts as a like a, a story to like maybe don't embrace that whole public persona so early on if you're not ready for it. Well, it, they, they're working on another game, and I read an article about him last week, and he was doing interviews again, and he and he seemed to be promising some things, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because they did make um, No Man's Sky into a better game. But I read the article and it said Sean Murray is falling into the same mistakes again. I don't think he necessarily is, but 
if No Man's Sky had come out and been this masterpiece that did all those things, the conversation around him would have been very different and it would have been, I'm really looking forward to seeing the next Sean Murray game. But now it's not. Now it's a cautionary tale. And that's one aspect of it. I think sometimes if you like quirky games, there's a, there's a developer called Yoko Taro who made the Nier games and he's uh, also made the Drakengard games and, and he's very, very quirky and he, and he never, he, whenever he interviews, he always wears the mask from Nier. So he's always wearing this mask. So he's quite enigmatic as well. Um, I think he's very, very, very creative and um, I really like his games. And then there's um, Suda51. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. He makes the No More Heroes games. And there's um, the guy who did... Um, my, my mind's gone blank, but there's another... There's another Toby Fox there's, so, yeah, did Undersale. Yeah. They're kind of perceived as these one-man bands or one-person bands. And they're not really, obviously. They've got this huge, probably, development team backing them, but that they are the figurehead. And it's, it's always been that way. Um, you can go back to John Romero and yeah, people like that. Did. Um, they were John Romero games. Yeah. and Same with Peter Molyneux games. Make... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fable and... Uh, yeah, so... And black and white as well. Um, I think it's easier for the public to latch onto these figures, but I, I suppose the more interesting question is, is it a good thing or not? Is it a good thing um, to only have one person known and the rest of the team to, to be in the background? I think it's good maybe for um, selling a game. A Hideo Kojima game is going to sell better than a non-Hideo Kojima game. Um, it depends but... on the person as well because you look at Kojima and he brought um, pe- people from his team to the forefront like uh, Yoji Shinkawa the, the 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 art editor or the illustrator of, or whatever it was he did in MGS 1, 2 and 3 and normally I wouldn't know the name of you know someone that did the art for a game but I know who Yoji Shinkawa is and it's the same as with the Final Fantasy games i know that for a majority of the final fantasy games um the composer for i think all of the games up to about eight or nine uh, was nobu uematsu and you wouldn't normally know those people's names but occasionally if they do consistently good work they'll then become known and you know to expect good things from them yeah but then the other side of someone like hideo jima is he uh, he's got a bit of a reputation of being self-indulgent, and you you play some of the Metal Gear games and yeah, self-proclaimed. You can definitely professed auteur. Yeah, well, this is. I was. Uh, it's funny again. I was reading another article about Ken Ken Levine, who made the Bioshock games, and he is described as an auteur um, by many within the gaming sphere, and the article basically suggested that we should get rid of this term auteur because actually many of gaming's auteurs tend to be quite controlling people and um, maybe not the best um, influence on their teams. Now, I quite like Ken Levine, so I, I mean, I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's an interesting thing when a personality becomes... I mean, Hideo Kojima became so big, he outgrew 
Konami and I I don't think anything's ever going to um, get to the heights of the golden age with Konami and Hideo Kojima but he's, he's doing well on his own so yeah yeah it, it, it's certainly a strange one and it is it is a case by case basis thing isn't it not every development team and not every company has those kind of people that will become bigger than the company they work for but it is always interesting to see how it goes and it'll be interesting to see this new game that hello games are doing what that does to sean murray and if he does the same thing as he did in 2016 but that brings us i suppose to our wrap-up this is it seems in the latter half of this list we've we shot ourselves in the foot early on by doing all of the the games that we really wanted to do and we've got a few really good games left but there are quite a few in the latter half where we struggle to find things to talk about with them because they're either not our kind of games or they're just difficult to cover and i think this game really hits that nail on the head perfectly this is a difficult game to talk about because of its age yeah because of what it is and because of how it's um how, how it's kind of come on since then in in um the, the subsequent titles and this is a classic case of the thing that i've said for quite a few of the games and that i think this game is on the list because of the time that it came out it was one of the first in its of its kind and it was an early game onto the metacritic list and because of that it stayed here so do you think that this game deserves its place on the list it comes in at number 61 um i i certainly think that this game has its audience it's very popular amongst a subsection of the gaming community um and i think for those people it probably did at the time everything that they wanted it to do for them um, so I think probably at the time there was probably a very good argument why it should be on the list, but I think we are, I think we made a decision, I think we made this decision, um, quite early on that we were also judging these games from a modern perspective and how they'd aged and how they are to play today. Yeah. And I think this game really struggles, um, in 2022, uh, for people that haven't played it. I think it really lacks... Um, I mean, I don't like... I mean, I've talked about tutorials. I'm not actually a big fan of tutorials, but I prefer games that kind of instruct you through the gameplay, through smart design. But this game doesn't have that either. Um, you're kind of just thrown in at the deep end and left to work it out yourself. And you may or may not work it out. Um, probably the more complex bits, you won't work it out. Um so for that reason i don't think it stands up in 2022 in the same way and um i am interested to see what civilization 4 does and i'm probably a bit more excited about that one but for me civilization 2 does not deserve to be on the list no i i agree i i don't think it deserves to be here and it will be an interesting conversation when we play civ 4 to see where we stand on both of those games then because we're, we're coming at it at the moment from just the one title instead of the two but like i said a moment ago this feels like it's here because of the time that it came out it was given high praise because of it being a game that did a really good job at what it did in 1996 
so it's given a very high score and since then other games have come along that don't quite hit that because they aren't trailblazers so it will be interesting to see where we stand with Civilization 4 but I agree for me this game doesn't deserve to be here like you I can see why it has its audience but I'm guessing at this stage subsequent Civ games have come out and done it better than this one so I'm looking forward to comparing it to Civ 4 when we do get to that game um, whenever that might be but yeah for me it, it doesn't deserve to be here so that wraps up Civilization 2 it's like I say it's a difficult game to talk about but we've uh, we've given it our best shot so I believe we have an episode coming out next week don't we yeah so so next week um, going to be a race to finish this one because uh, it's longer than you might think but mm. um, next week we're going to be um, we're going to be discussing a game that we alluded to earlier um, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker um, yeah so quite a big one next week yeah yeah it's been a while since we played a Zelda game so it'll be um, it'll be good to go back and continue our journey through those as always if you want to reach out to us or speak to us you can get to us on social media on Instagram Twitter and Facebook we have an email address the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com and if you listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it if you give us a little rating um, or a star rating just how more people find us it does help quite a lot more than you probably think which I'm sure you have heard a million times from people like YouTubers asking you to smash that like button um, but there is a reason behind it so yeah that's it from me for this week anything else from you no that's it from me very good well we'll see you next week for Wind Waker and in the meantime take care cheerio See you on the next one.